0: Well, hello, folks. You're on the Insecurity Project with Jamin Today, I have the great privilege of interviewing Monica, Monica Borgo. Now, uh, Monica, uh, I came across Monica uh, maybe six months ago. I don't know; it might, might not have been quite that long ago. But um, I'm a big spiral dynamics fan, as you as you probably know. And Monica has written an incredible book on the subject, much more accurately uh, back to the source. And so uh, reached out to me uh, to see whether there was a point of connection around this, this fantastic model and uh, was kind enough to send, a, send me a copy of her book, which I have thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, the book uh, is the, the Change Code, a practical guide to making a difference in a polarised world. So we're going to talk to Monica about this book and, and some really fascinating ideas that she shares about this. So, uh, Monica, thanks so much. Welcome to the show.
1: Oh, Thank you for having me here Jamie really appreciate it and I love the work you're doing around the insecurity project I think it's just such great timing for for the work that you're doing
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, thank you. That's that's really cool um, Now uh, Speaking about insecurity. I'm, I'm really interested with all my guests to hear your own journey uh, with insecurity and Um, Would you be willing to share a bit of your backstory from where you started, how well your parents did at um, helping you manage your own self-esteem and and times in your life where insecurity has actually got in the way and and the process of how you've uh, resolved that? Yeah, sure. That's
1: a great question. Well, I grew up, for the most part, in a very small town in Montana. So the the town that I grew up in had a bar and a store, and I used to travel 15 miles each way to my school. Um, so it was a, a very different environment. And then, and, you know, from there, I, of course, I went to college and got a degree. But I ended up in the corporate world in a very male-dominated field of healthcare and managed care and that sort of thing and um, you know I was really ambitious and really wanted to kind of move up the corporate ladder at that time I had a young daughter that I was supporting and uh, so there was definitely a lot of moments of insecurity that I had to overcome and kind of a lifelong struggle for me too has been insecurity around public speaking and uh, even doing podcasts, you know, I still have to kind of uh, pump myself up a little bit. I've probably done 15 or or more now for the book, but I still have a little routine that I go through to kind of get myself in the right mindset and breathing exercises and essential oils and all of those sorts of things. Because, uh, you know, I've been speaking for more than 20 years in my my corporate career. I've had to give a lot of presentations and sometimes in front of large groups. But you know, there's still that that whole process that you have to go through still comes up.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I love the fact that it's a never-ending process. Um, I'm convinced that, that it is possible to be unhindered by doubt, fear and insecurity at the level of growth that you're out at now. Um, but that being unhindered would cause you to step forward into new levels of uncertainty. Uh, and that will always expose new insecurities. You know, people who are secure about speaking to 10 people might be insecure about speaking to 100 people or people who've, you know, run a team of three might be comfortable with that but insecure about running a team of 20, you know. So I love the fact that it's a constant growth journey and, uh, yeah, there's always work to be done around this. Uh, so, so this book that you've written, The Change Code, uh, can, you, can you give uh, the listeners an overview about uh, the, the message there and, um, yeah, tell, tell us about the, the key idea of this book and, and why you've written it?
1: Yeah so I've always felt the need to try to make a difference in the world and to want to make the world a better place but for a long time I I think I didn't know how to do that and so you know I was in the corporate world as I mentioned and climbed the corporate ladder and then of course when I got to the the VP position that I had been striving to get to I thought what is this this is not what I want and um so I had to really take a look at myself and Uh, take a look at what I was doing. And so, um, you know, I started blogging back in probably 2011, 2012, something like that, and just writing and doing this kind of discovery process. And then in 2016, I decided, you know, I'm really going to write a book. And so, you know, I started writing. And um, I feel like once you Fully step into something that you know you're meant to do, that the universe really starts to kind of open up all of these doors for you, and I feel like that's what really happened for me. And so, um, you know, once I decided to write the book, I went to church actually, which I I haven't done in a really long time, and I learned about spiral dynamics. They announced that they were doing this six-week class on spiral dynamics, which is this you know, amazing change process, um, kind of the underlying pattern for human change. And I thought, oh, that sounds interesting, right? Not knowing what I was stepping into. And of course, after the first class, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is just amazing. And of course, it has to be the framework for my book, because it Mm. completely changed how I looked at the world. It helped put a lot of context around a lot of things that were happening in the world right now. And so um, what went from just a really simple book about how to make the world a better place became this book around um, the change process. And I really dove deep into polarization because we see so much of that in the United States right now. And I was really frustrated because I felt like how are we supposed to tackle some of these big challenges like climate change and immigration and now a pandemic when we can't even talk to each other? And so I felt like I needed to really understand the causes of polarization and, um, you know, using spiral dynamics and this change framework, it really helped put a lot of context around that for me. So, so I worked, pretty diligently for more than a year and completed the book, the change code at the end of, of, last year. And, uh, it was, it was a really amazing and, uh, just great personal growth process for me as well in writing the
0: book. Mm. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, and a credit to you for the work that you've done. It's a real, real gift mm. to the world you've brought. Uh, c- can you, can you step us through your understanding of the the levels, the, the Spiral Dynamics model itself, uh, and and give an overview of how the model works?
1: Sure, you bet. And I should have mentioned also that in writing the book, I actually made um, more than three trips to Beck, who, as you know, was one of the pioneers in Spiral Dynamics, mm. and I kind of became obsessed with the theory and began to just read and listen to every possible thing I could about spiral dynamics. So, so I definitely don't think I'm an expert, but I've um, spent a, a, an enormous amount of hours reading and studying about spiral dynamics. So for those of your listeners who are not familiar with the theory, I know you've got some great articles, but just to give a little backstory, um, it was developed by a developmental psychologist whose name was Claire W. Graves who started researching about what um, makes up a healthy human being because he used to teach uh, psychology classes in Schenectady, New York, and his students used to come to him and say, Dr. Graves, you're teaching us all of these great psychological models, and my undergraduate degree was in psychology, and I had never learned about spiral dynamics, which was mind-blowing to me when I did finally learn about it but they used to come to him and say, which is the right model? And Dr. Graves said, you know, I don't know. So he set out on a mission to uncover what creates a healthy human being. So he spent um, more than 10 years uh, collecting data from more than a thousand individuals. And what he identified was the underlying pattern for human change, which is um, just amazing when you look at Uh, the implications for that, and not only understanding where we are as societies, but also as individuals. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what he uncovered were um, uh, eight layers. So essentially, these are layers of development that we all have to go through. We all have to go through them in the exact same order. And so you can't skip a stage, and you, you go through them, and they build on each other. Uh, it kind of is like an onion, so the next layer emerges over the previous layers, and so uh, once you reach a developmental layer, you always have access to those skills and understandings that you developed in that layer, and so um, uh, Claire W. Graves uh, was this uh, psychologist that I mentioned, and his work never got published, unfortunately, because he ended up getting to be quite ill, but fortunately for us, Dr. Don Beck and Christopher Cowan um, discovered his work, and Dr. Beck actually traveled to Schenectady, New York, and met with Claire W. Graves a number of times and worked. became great friends, and they worked together for many years, and they documented his model in a book called Spiral Dynamics. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they documented these different layers, but as part of that process, Dr. Beck named the layers by color. And uh, the the reason that he says that he did this is because he was actually working with Nelson Mandela um, during the time that they were trying to um, eliminate apartheid in South Africa without a civil war. And so um, he felt like it would be easier to have just a simple way to refer to these different layers so that uh, Nelson Mandela would know Um, how to approach a group. So, for instance, Dr. Beck would say, okay, Nelson Mandela, give your blue speech to this group or give your uh, red speech to this group because they were dealing with a wide range of tribes across South Africa and Mm. different groups of people and they were trying to bring them all together. And so, um, if you'd like, I can just give a kind of a quick overview. Yeah, please. That would be wonderful. So, the first layer is um, also called beige, and beige is very survivalistic. You know, the main focus of individuals who are perceiving the world through the beige layer are, um, you know, food and reproduction and just having their basic needs met. Um, Then the second layer is purple, and purple is very much about um, keeping the nest warm, uh, creating these uh, Almost tribal values of mm. connecting people um, there's usually like a chief and there's also kind of belief in you know mystical forces all of the different the different gods that you saw in um, mythology those types of things um, and then the third layer is red and red is very much based on um, individuals who dominate others and so you know, conquerors who come in and take over entire countries, or, um, you know, people who are are super strong and just want to be the the toughest person. That's an example of red. And then the fourth layer is blue. And so when we started to see blue in societies, um, this actually came about when we began to move Um, into an agricultural era where people started moving to farms and into communities. And so there needed to be a set of common rules and understandings that everybody operated by. And so that's the blue layer. And that's also when religion became really um, into play and Christianity and those uh, types of uh, rigid structure systems. And one of the things about blue is that there is almost always um, a higher order. And so you might be working hard right now, but you are hoping for some benefits in the afterlife or something like that. So you're delaying gratification now for benefits later. So that's one of the key components for blue. And then the next layer, which is the fifth layer. So Can I
0: just, just stop you there. So, um, yeah, you know, so I talk about blue as uh, the as level four the system. So so I would mm-hmm. understand that as um uh, the, the delayed gratification is almost like you're working a job you don't like and the delayed gratification is thinking about retirement as that's your reward. That's when you get to take it easy, that's when life starts for you. So that's would that be an example that fits your model?
1: Yeah, that's a great example and And that's what a lot of us believed, right and then um and then now most of us know that a lot of times companies will lay off individuals, and so some of those belief systems no longer hold up um, for some people so so then once you move from the blue layer, the next layer is the fifth layer, which is orange, and orange is very scientific, very materialistic, it's all about success and individual success and getting ahead in the world and um you know doing the best you can but it's um one thing that i should mention is that these layers they go up in the shape of a spiral which is the, what the name came from and and they also go from a me focus so very individualistic to a we focused mm-hmm. so for instance when you move into orange it's a very individual focused and this is the predominant um layer in most of our uh, societies at this time is this uh orange layer but we're starting to shift out of it now which is what's causing a lot of the the tension and chaos and polarization that we see and so um so the fifth layer is orange and then uh the next layer is uh green which is the sixth layer and i've got just a couple more layers to go so Mm -hmm. green So uh, one thing I might mention too is that each of the layers have um, positive expressions and negative expressions and so when you begin to move into a layer it starts to solve the problems that were caused before in the previous layers. And so when you first move into a layer, it's really helpful. But then eventually it starts to go too far. So for example, with the orange, you know, we're starting to see all this plastic in the ocean and all this pollution. So our materialism and you know, um, you know, getting ahead has kind of gone too far to the extreme. And so uh, essentially there's an auto correction, right? So it begins to move to the next layer, which is green. And green is very much about healing the self, healing the planet, creating equality, and um, starting to heal a lot of the things that we saw in the orange layer. So then from green, we go to the next two layers, and these are where it gets really exciting because uh, Claire W. Graves actually wrote an article about um, moving to this next tier. He calls it um, the second tier, and he wrote an article that was in the um, the Futurist magazine in the 1970s, which is actually how Dr. Beck uh, learned about his work, and the title of this article was Mankind Makes a Momentous Leap. Mm -hmm. And uh, what uh, Dr. Graves was saying is that when we move from this green layer into the next two, which are yellow and turquoise, which I'll talk about briefly, that it is such a momentous leap for humanity that we're able to operate um, at such a high level. In fact, uh, he said that we're able to manage more complexity in the, the seventh and eighth layers than all of the previous layers combined. Mm-hmm. So to say that it's a momentous leap is is kind of an understatement even, um, which is exciting. And so, so that talks about yellow, which is the seventh layer. And the seventh layer again moves back to being um, more individualistic. But with the seventh layer, we're able to really use both sides of our brains. And so we're able to understand uh, the scientific and rational thought processes but we're also able to be very intuitive and creative. And one of the things that uh, Graves talks about in the seventh layer is that you're able to take the best of all theories. And so you're no longer tied to a specific belief system or dogma. You're able to take the best from everything that we know. And you're also able to understand paradox really well. And so things are no longer just black or white. It's the gray in between. And so as a result, you're able to come up with these really unique solutions and begin to solve a lot of the really challenging problems that we've seen so far. And in the book, I talk about wicked problems. And so when we um, have enough people in this yellow layer, we're going to really be able to cope with these, these wicked problems, which essentially don't have a clear solution. And then I'll just touch on the final layer, which is turquoise. And so turquoise... Uh, when an individual sees the world through a turquoise lens, they're able to um, really almost connect with the universe. And so you understand, you know, the the benefit and connection to the earth and the animals and all living species. It's really uh, one of the words they use to describe it quite often is unity. You're able to uh, really connect at a much higher level. So you are no longer Uh, so materialistic and all of those things you're you're really in a different state and one thing that I might mention that really relates well to what you're doing with the insecurity project is once you move from the green which is the sixth layer into that second tier that I mentioned one of the indicators for that movement is that you are no longer operating from a place of fear and so right now uh, there's a lot of fear that's driving our society. And so eventually when we move to that next layer, that second tier, we're able to let go of a lot of that fear. And so just imagine being able to release all that fear and insecurity and operate from this higher place that that's what happens when we move as individuals or societies into that second tier of uh, development. Wow. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a lot to absorb.
0: Uh, it's, so, it's so wonderful. There's a few things happening for me as you're sharing. Um, uh, firstly, I-, I thought Claire was a female. So th- there's my first learning. Um, Claire W. Graves was actually a male, not a female. So thank you for that. Um, secondly, I'd always been nervous about Claire Finding out about my work because I just assumed I—I literally heard Spiral Dynamics once, the theory explained once, uh, and it was not using colours; it was using words. Um, and I probably heard it eight years ago, and have done almost zero further research about it. I've just just taken it and used it and adapted it and benefited from it and thought about it and um, I'm I'm very relieved to know that I haven't deviated too far from the source and and I think I think Claire would be okay so that's that's cool Um, the third thing that was going off for me was I was just reflecting on uh, your book and how you talk about the fact that each of these layers has kind of opened up at different points in time so Mm You know so it's only in the last kind of generations that we have access to some of these new levels as we as we grow as a as a people and the collective consciousness of the planet grows which I'd never really contemplated before I I'd, I'd, I'd just yeah that was a missing piece in the puzzle for me to go you're right yeah we are we are sitting at a moment in time where we have access to, to more growth and and indeed the big challenge of our world now is not really technological advance it's consciousness advance like that's yeah. and and to feel part of uh, you know focus work in increasing the collective consciousness of the planet so that we continue to seize the opportunity of moving beyond red and, and blue and, and even green uh into the higher levels solving wicked problems but doing them together um you know it's what a, what a magnificent time to be alive and what a useful framework for people to understand the need to keep going on and up, um, which which uh, you know the final thing going off for me is like oh wow like the insecurity project um, fits fits here really beautifully in in helping people do the inner work that that would stop growth. Um, one of my favourite quotes from your book, uh, page seventy two. Uh, you say it's 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 natural for humans to fear the next layer. Uh, it's because yeah. the new layer calls into question our core beliefs about ourselves, the world, and our place in the world. Yeah, uh, and so um, so much about what happens for us to grow to the next layer is the inner work and um, the questioning of our beliefs about ourselves, the questioning of our tying our identity. You know, you talk about. Uh, people in the red layer which is a, a layer of system and rules and structure and very easy to tie your value and worth to what you do um i work a job this job gives me status i'm good at my job without that job who am i i have no idea who i am and so if that job was ever jeopardized my whole world goes into a tailspin because i've tied everything to that that piece and my beliefs about myself are tied to what i do so this inner work, it turns out to be be very, very important. Um, do you want to share any anything, any insights you've got around the importance of the inner work and, and some of the keys you've found to help people do that work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one thing that I, I might mention too is just kind of the general change process. So as part of Graves' work, he also um, developed... Uh, a model for how humans change and so once you understand that you start to see where you are in in that um, development and I think the layers as well it's helpful to understand where you are but essentially what Graves uh, lined out is that you know we're going along and everything's fine right and then we start to feel uncomfortable and things just aren't working anymore but we're not sure why right because we've maybe grown or developed or are Uh, life conditions have become more complex which is what Graves determined helps move us to the next layer is that the life conditions are are so complex now that our coping mechanisms are no longer adequate to Mm. cope in in that layer and so so you start to feel uncomfortable and so uh, you know that could be in a relationship it could be in a job like you know you've been working here for 10 years and it's been fine and nothing's really changed but but you just, you just aren't comfortable anymore, right? You feel like you need to make a change. And so our uh, tendency as humans is not to just make the change, right? Because that's really difficult. None of us want to change. And so what we do as a result is we end up looking backwards to see, okay, when was the time when this job, I'll just use that as an example, felt okay? And so what was I doing then? Okay, well, I was taking longer lunch breaks or I was, um, you know, having coffee with my friends on the break or or whatever it was. And so you revert back mm, to try wow. to make the current situation better. But because the, the your life conditions have become more complex, you know, maybe you've developed more as an individual or things have changed in the company or in the system because nothing stays the same. Uh, Though that doesn't work. And actually, it creates more tension. And so uh, Steve McDonald, who wrote the foreword for my book, he's an mm-hmm. amazing futurist, actually, in Byron Bay, Australia. He talks about how this tension is like pulling the rubber band back on a slingshot. And the tension eventually gets so strong that you just can't deny it, no matter how hard you try. And so essentially what happens is it propels change forward. And it puts you into this state of chaos because, right, you, you no longer like your job, but you don't know what you're going to do next. And so it creates this all this uncertainty and insecurity and who am I now? You know, I was so tied to my identity, the example you used of, of my job. And now I, I'm not that anymore, but I don't know who I am. And it just creates this tension. And unfortunately for us to really change as human beings, we have to feel and experience that tension and that chaos and um, go through that process and just know that that's a normal part of our change and development. But eventually we start to come out of that, right? Because you can't just live your whole life in that chaos. And so eventually you start to discover new coping mechanisms or you know, maybe you take some online courses or you connect with with a great coach who helps you through that and so then you move into this phase of liberation where you discover these new coping mechanisms and a lot of times people almost become evangelists because they're so excited they're like oh I was in this horrible chaotic place and you know Jamin helped me me move through that or um, you know I discovered whatever it was Pilates. And now, you know, yeah. I want, I want you to try Pilates yeah, yeah, too, yeah. because it was so amazing. And so you become this almost evangelist for, for what you discovered. And, um and then eventually it's like, okay, well, that's just part of my normal routine now. And then you reach, hopefully you reach a new level of stable, but you're at a higher octave. And so, so you may move to the next developmental layer that we just went through of Graves's work but there's no guarantee, you know, that you will move through that process. You know, that's, that's the goal of, of moving through that process. And so, Mm -hmm. so I think that's really helpful to understand as well um, in understanding the stages.
0: It's so interesting that point you make about when, when the point of pain comes, the tendency to revert back to the last time you felt good uh, as the way of solving the problem. And, um, I've, I've had a number of friends over the years, uh, especially from a faith perspective where they're, where the way they've understood faith stopped making sense and there was pain and uncertainty and they were so uncomfortable in that, their solution was to go back to simpler times. And so instead of wrestling with complexity, they f- they feared complexity and, and grappled for simplicity and, and almost turned off any questions and just went for the most certain thing they could find, which was a prior experience, and, and in fact, so went down levels rather than, than grow. Um, so I think, uh, you know, I love the fact that being a human being is high stakes and and there are no guarantees. That's what makes it so wonderful. So there's no guarantee we're going to grow or we're going to, continue to find higher forms of of living there's just as much opportunity to revert to dysfunction and to stay in um, toxicity and to um, you know have atrophy uh, which is which is the real challenge and i I love the work that you're doing because it go you know i'm a big fan of frameworks i just think yeah. Um, they're so useful because if you've got a framework, you go, "Oh, okay, that makes sense of the chaos. I I get it now. I can see that chaos isn't to be feared. Chaos is a part of the process, and I'm not special. And others have gone before me. And this is a part of the growth cycle. And if I can see this framework, then I'm more inclined to push into it rather than resisting it. Um,
1: Absolutely.
0: And uh, uh, and the beautiful thing about that is that's not just good for you. That's good for the planet because. Uh, uh, as, as you point out in the book, the problems of staying at a level uh, create some significant challenges for the world. You know, the, the, the level of, you know, if you stay at, at, um, at Blue, which is the success entrepreneur, you know, the, the amount of the, the way we go through resources in that stage, the, the internal selfish focus of materialism at all costs, that's, that comes with some serious side effects to the planet. Uh, so if you stay there, that's that's a problem. Um, so the framework to say, keep going, don't stop there, keep growing, keep growing, keep growing, um, super useful. So thanks again for, for the the great work that you're doing in this space.
1: Yeah, thank you. Oh Well, when I learned about this model, one of the reasons I was so excited about it is because it provides the context for what's happening now, but mm-hmm. it also really gave me a lot of optimism optimism for the future yeah. which i at the time was feeling really discouraged you know i'm in the united states and uh you know we've had just a lot of change the last se- several years and in fact kind of regressing almost you know trying to go mm-hmm. back to make america great again uh, you know so we've been regressing. Uh, Backwards in a lot of ways and so that's been really challenging and I was feeling really discouraged and so to learn about this framework and understand how everything fits in and then also to understand you know, that we have this enormous potential, and you can map it out. And so you can map it out uh, for a society, but also as an individual, you know, I talk a little bit about it in the book, about my own process through the colors. And so when you look back at your own life, you're like, oh, yeah, that's when I was kind of moving through, you know, green or purple or or whatever color it was. And and so um, it really helps put your own life into perspective as well.
0: Yeah. Incredible. Um, so where can people find out more about your work? Where do you, where do you hang out online?
1: So the, the website for the book is the dot I also have a, a personal and consulting uh, website, which is dot And so people can reach me at either of those sites. I'm also uh, Monica Bourgeau on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the social media channels as well. So
0: uh apologies i pronounce your name borgo borjo that's
1: okay i i get that a lot
0: (laughs) (laughs) rookie rookie mistake uh thank you again for such a wonderful conversation we could talk about this for days i'm sure um i think that's been such a wonderful overview for for people and um Yeah. Thanks again for the great work that you're doing in this space. And I highly recommend your book as a, as a wonderful resource for people to get a hold of this framework and, uh, apply it to their own growth journey. So thank Thank you once again.
1: Thank you. And thank you for all that you're doing. I appreciate being on the show.
0: You've been listening to the insecurity project. I hope you found the content and conversations useful. And remember you are not just an actor in the story. You are the storyteller. have the ability to turn this all around. For more information about overcoming insecurity, check out the insecurityproject.com.